0: News Radio Original Podcasts. We all waited with bated breath as votes were counted for the midterm elections. Would the GOP gain control of the House? And now most of the results are in. Republicans are taking a victory lap after narrowly clinching control of the House. On Fox News Channel's Hannity, GOP leader Kevin McCarthy One party Democrat rule in Washington is finished. We have fired Nancy Pelosi. That report comes from CBS News correspondent Elise Preston. But Republicans did not win as big as they had hoped.
1: You're still going to have a Democratic Senate. And even if you had a Republican Senate, you still have a Democrat in the White House. To get something done in Washington, you're going to need some kind of bipartisan cooperation.
0: Dr. Benjamin Dworkin is the director of the Rowan Institute for Public Policy and Citizenship at Rowan University in Glassboro, New Jersey. He joins us today on KYW News Radio In Depth to talk about what the new Republican majority in the House could mean for national politics, especially with such a slim margin. To set the table here, just for people that maybe are hearing this and and only are casual followers of politics, Uh, let's just kind of set some basics. 435 members of the House. So 218 is the number that determines control. Republicans will have a slight advantage, but 218 was the magic number, correct?
1: That is correct. You need 218 in order to control the House of Representatives out of the 435 members. That gives you the majority. And it's significant because the House is very different from the United States Senate. In the United States Senate, the minority has significant power and can force their way into whatever it is the majority wants. You don't have that in the House. The House is a very majoritarian institution. So the moment you have 218 or more, you control the agenda, you control the resources, you control what's being discussed, how long will it be debated on the floor All of those critical items are there. Now, any uh, party is going to want way more than 218, uh, because when you're operating with a very small margin of your majority,
0: lots of things can happen. Another thing I think it's important for people to realize, 435 members, but it is very common to not have 435 members at any one time between death, serious illness, resignation, scandal, arrest, whatever. So that very, very slim lead will really be in the focus, no?
1: No, absolutely. I think we're going to be paying attention to it. Look, anybody who's listening that has worked in a large office knows that someday people are sick and you don't have the full compliment. We're short staffed this week, but if you have a big vote in the house and people get sick, that's a problem. Um, you know, she just announced that she will no longer be the leader of the Democratic Caucus, but Nancy Pelosi's record at keeping what the Democrats had, which was a five-vote majority over the past 2 years, is tremendous because you have when you have that number of few votes yes people get sick there we have seen that it happens people die unfortunately while they're in office you have people who get arrested or get wrapped up in scandal and have to leave you also just have people who might disagree you've got to get 218 people to all say yes and if congressman x uh or congresswoman y wants to make sure their amendment gets voted on or make sure they want to make sure that they have this kind of funding that they think is important. Nobody else has to think it's important, but it matters now to the leadership because they'll have to, they, we can't afford to lose anybody. There's no leeway. Everyone's got to get on board. Uh, so Nancy Pelosi was a tremendous political leader Uh, and is getting, uh, rightly so, a lot of kudos uh, upon her uh, retirement from a leadership position. But that's difficult. Not everybody can do what she has been able uh, to do with uh, that kind of slim majority. And just the other point that we should recognize is that when you're talking about the Republican caucus now, there are divergent voices there. You know, you've got uh, the Freedom Caucus, and then you have people who are very much not the Freedom Caucus. You've got different regional interests. Um, all of these things are going to come into play uh, as one member of the House, or even a small block—you know, a handful of votes—find four other people who agree with you, and you can block everything. Now, that uh, kind of gamemanship, uh is something I think all of us uh, as citizens are going to have to watch. In other words, it moves well beyond just somebody might be sick and somebody might die. and somebody, This is really about the leverage that people have. Um, and when you have that slim a majority, it can be very difficult to corral all 218 votes on any given
0: day. From a purely logistic standpoint, when you're dealing with this slim a majority, and let's just, you know, anywhere from like one to five seats or so, What happens if the House is supposed to be in session and uh, for whatever reason, like the party in power, they have a majority. They still have the more members, but a handful of members are out of town or there was some kind of an emergency and a state delegation had to go back. That was all of the party in power. Does the House just not go into session? Can if technically they're not there, is the speaker still the speaker? Does it? Temporarily switch. I mean, it's kind of sounds like out there, but I feel like there's a very real possibility we could see some weird things with this.
1: You could, but no. First of all, it is the challenge of the House leadership to make sure that when they have a vote recorded, they have the votes there. They have the people in place to vote yes on whatever it is that they want to get done. So that's just something that everybody has to manage. Uh, in any given year of the House. But in addition to that, no, leadership doesn't change because, wait, 10 Republicans are out, therefore the Democrats can get control because, I mean, that would create too much chaos. Uh, I think everybody sort of understands that. And most importantly, they set the rules. So, you know, Nancy Pelosi, who had to deal with COVID, and how do you operate when people are sick. They're fully functional, but I have to be isolated. I can't exactly show up on the floor of the House in order to press a red button or a green button uh, to vote for something. So they created rules that allowed for remote voting. That may or may not be extended. You know, we'll see if Kevin McCarthy, who's the odds-on favorite, at least at this moment, Uh, to become the new Speaker of the House for the Republican, and there's a Republican from California, he and his leadership team might continue that. And so then you can handle, well, somebody's out of town, but I still need them to be able to call in and vote. It's really the rules that you set up allow you to
0: manage uh, this. Do we have a a big history of really tight House of Representatives in this country? Like, where is it? Relatively common to have like anywhere one to five to six differential, or we usually got a healthier where it's it's much easier to say Democrats are in charge or Republicans are in charge
1: in recent years, we've had uh more of these as we're seeing the Democrats were up five this week and come January, the Republicans might be up five I mean these are we're in a situation where we have a national electorate that is very divided, but also has a great deal of parity uh, in terms of the size. And that's why when you look at just look at presidential elections, the 2016 election, and it's often been said about you know 40,000 votes in three different states, and you'd have a very entirely different president. Hillary Clinton would have won. And the same can be said about 2020. That is 50,000 votes in three different states. And we suddenly have Donald Trump uh, for an additional four years. So these kinds of the parties are basically a parody uh, in a lot of ways, nationally, not in every state, clearly. This parody might explain why we see such close margins between the majority and the uh, minority parties in the House. You can go back. There was a time in the 90s, Republicans had a seven vote majority and then it can get bigger. You know, you do have wave elections. Uh, but right now, last few
0: years, we're uh, very, very tight here. It is possible, even if a five, six seat advantage, if the Republicans were to lose a couple of seats due to everything we've talked about, and uh, eventually there are special elections held and those elections flip, all of a sudden you could be going to the other side and you could see the Democrats uh, take power. And would that just be as soon as everybody's sworn in all of a sudden it, everything just swings back and you have a democratic speaker of the house. And even if it's a random Wednesday in June, like the, the things would change. I mean, this is extreme, but it's possible.
1: (laughs) I could win a $2 billion lottery. (laughs) Um, it's possible but i don't think anyone's staying up nights waiting for that to happen <laughs> um so yes what you described is theoretically possible and very 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 unlikely um if for no other reason than the fact is we have fewer and fewer truly competitive house districts and so in your scenario we had seven people, God forbid, you know, members of the House majority go down in a plane crash, heaven forbid, the people who are going to replace them are very likely to be of the same party, simply because the districts are gerrymandered across the country, in many cases, to overwhelmingly favor one party or the other. The second part of your hypothetical situation relies on the idea that Republicans would somehow disappear and Democrats would replace them in those districts. And that, in and of itself, is very, very unlikely.
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Benjamin Dworkin right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth.
1: A Philadelphia dentist today was sentenced to 22 years in prison and fined $100,000. This was just unbelievable. you did not understand the genius in Larry.
0: Nobody was doing coke at this point.
1: No one could believe that this highly educated, young, handsome man was this kingpin drug dealer.
0: This is Wolves Among Us, the Larry Lavin story. A documentary podcast from C-13 Originals, a Cadence 13 Studio. Listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back continuing our conversation on KYW News Radio in depth with Rowan University's Dr. Benjamin Dworkin. Let's talk about getting stuff done. Republicans have a slim majority in the House. Of course, Democrats control the Senate. Uh, What can you see getting done here? I mean, Republicans have a not insignificant part of their caucus that really won't go along with just about anything. They are very extreme. Uh, Do you think Republicans have a chance of putting into place any proposals that come from that more extreme side of the party? What do you think we could see get done here?
1: The legislative agenda for both the House and the Senate in Washington come January really has to be understood in a couple different buckets. You have regional interests that are going to push forward a bipartisan effort to get something done. The Farm Bill, as an example. You can be a Republican in Iowa or a Democrat in Iowa, but on the Farm Bill, you're voting yes. And that will generate some momentum. So we'll see things uh, based on that. A a water resources bill might be the kind of thing where this isn't automatically going to be split uh, between one party says yes and one party says no. You're going to have issues that have emerged in the last few years that truly do have bipartisan support. And one example would be mental health. I think people across the political spectrum recognize that kids and adults coming out of COVID are uh, struggling with mental health issues. There needs to be Washington support uh, in school districts and other places for this. I think you'll find a strong coalition, a majority coalition to move forward. And once there's that kind of coalition, any given group, even within the majority, has less power to block something. Then there are going to be the things that just have to happen. And there'll be negotiations certainly on all of this, but they got to keep the lights on in the government. You know, they have to continue to uh, do those uh, kinds of things. And finally, just the fourth bucket are the things that we can't expect. Natural disasters, A a hurricane hits a major city. Well, we need to step up. Uh, you know, God forbid we have uh, uh, some kind of terrorist attack. We need to do something. And um, so you'll find opportunities to get a lot of things done. But even if the Republicans had a 30 vote majority, uh, a 30 vote margin uh, in terms of their majority in the House, you still going to have a Democratic Senate. And even if you had a Republican Senate, you still have a Democrat in the White House regardless of the uh, margin of the majority in the house to get something done in Washington, you're going to need some kind of bipartisan cooperation.
0: And one of the interesting things is the house changes every two years. And as much as there was a lot of turnout for this midterm election, it's nothing compared to a presidential 2024 is a presidential. So we talk about all this, we could see a much different house makeup, in two years as a lot of these races that they're still counting votes on that they think might've flipped. We could see go completely the other way in two years, right?
1: Absolutely. And obviously a lot depends on what is the shape of the presidential election? Who are the candidates for each of the two parties? And there's going to be a lot of factors, but what we will see is that the house majority, the Republican house majority right now relies a great deal On races that they won very slimly in places like New York. New Jersey had uh, a Democrat, Tom Malinowski, lose his seat to a Republican, Tom Kane Jr. It wasn't as close as some of these races we saw uh, in New York State, but nonetheless, these are districts in a year when New Jersey and New York are expected to be very blue in 2024, where The tide can sweep up these new Republicans and toss them out and bring in new Democrats. Um, And so what we should understand is that you have a very precarious majority when you have such a small margin Um, and that a presidential year when we fully expect to see 70, 75 percent turnout among registered voters can be the kind of election where Democrats can easily in two years
0: come back and take control of the house. And just to follow up on that, one of the things that's going to be fascinating to watch, you mentioned specifically those members in New York state that Republicans over for porn may be more there than anywhere in the country, but they are going to be caucusing with members that like to create chaos. Your Marjorie Taylor Greens. how much pressure is going to be on those members of Congress in New York? When at least at the early going here, it looks like a lot of what the Republicans are pushing or at least making noises about are these investigations into Hunter Biden and stuff like that. That's not going to sell as well in their districts as it is in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. That's going to be a very difficult road to navigate, I would think, for a lot of those those members of members of Congress.
1: It's going to be very tough, you know, but every party has this again. You know, you have. Democrats who are in much more moderate districts and Democrats who are in very, very liberal districts, uh, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, representing her district, it's easy to be the kind of Democrat that she is. But if you were Tim Ryan, who just left the House and he ran unsuccessfully for the Senate in Ohio and represented the Youngstown area, it's got a very different district. So this is not uncommon uh, to have people who represent different kinds of constituencies, even though they might all have a D or an R next to their name. Again, these are the challenges of leadership, and you have to rally everybody there. The single biggest issue that unifies Republicans is opposition to President Biden. And I think if they can stay focused on that, that should get them through uh, the kinds of initial things they want to do, the ways that they want to show that they will be different from the Democrats uh, who used to run the house. so it's going to be tough, yes, for more moderate members of each party, it will be tough. There'll gonna be a lot of strong voices on the extremes, but we'll see how they all you know come together uh, and parties have a tendency to fall in line uh, on both sides of the aisle. Again, it's a very majoritarian institution, the House of Representatives, and so it's them against us a lot. You see that a little bit less of that dynamic in the Senate side. Each US senator is a little more of of an independent player, but certainly in the House, people tend to fall in line, and I think we'll find that, and that might hurt people two years from now when we have another one of these elections
0: that's it for this episode of KYW news radio in depth you can listen to the podcast free anytime on the odyssey app and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows i'm matt leon and we'll have another episode out soon